chapter 6, uh, beginning with verse 35 as our, as our key verse for this morning. If you had to choose out of all the words Jesus spoke while he was here on earth, uh, if you had to choose which are the most important, and of course all the words that Jesus spoke during his earthly ministry are important, but certainly the seven sayings that we will be studying over our next few communion seasons would be contenders for the most important words that Jesus spoke. Seven times in the Gospel of John, we read Jesus beginning important teaching by saying, I am. And as I said on Friday evening, when we say the words, I am, we're about to tell people something very important about ourselves a lot, a lot of the time. <coughs> Who we are, uh, what we do, where we're from. But all of those things about us can change. Even our, our names might even change. Some of you ladies, your names have changed uh, from the day that you got married. But when Jesus says, I am, he's telling us things that never change. Because Jesus is the eternal, unchanging, holy God. The first I am, which we're considering this weekend, tells us that Jesus is the eternal God who completely satisfies us. Now, that's really the key point that Jesus is making throughout this passage. He satisfies us. John 6 verse 35, I am the bread of life. On Friday evening, we looked at verses 25 to 35 and we saw how we all need the bread of life. We thought about how we live in a world where everyone is hungry by nature and yet no one is satisfied by nature. We're all looking for things to satisfy us and yet no one truly is. But Jesus says that whoever comes to him shall never hunger and never thirst, that he can satisfy us completely. And of course here Jesus is using an everyday picture to describe a spiritual truth and he, and he does this all throughout his, his earthly ministry. You think of the parables that he taught as well. And here he's, he's taking something from the everyday life of the people that he was first speaking to. A piece of bread. Bread was part of almost every meal that people ate in that time and place, particularly the poor. Bread was something they depended upon. Without it, they would starve and die. And so Jesus takes this familiar everyday sight, a little roll of bread, and he uses it to show people what kind of saviour he is. Let's think first of all today about bread sent down. Bread sent down. The Jews that were speaking to Jesus here are somewhat mixed up in their thinking. John tells us that this all happened uh, near to the Passover. He says uh, towards the beginning of the chapter, the Passover was at hand. And in the midst of celebrating the festival of the Passover, the Jews, of course, look back on their history. And in particular, the Jews became quite fascinated with the idea that their forefathers had manna to eat in the desert. And the Jews had built up the tradition that it was Moses who provided the, the, the manna in the desert. And of course, in a sense that was true. Moses was the leader. It was through Moses that the people uh, uh, besieged God and made their needs known to God and sometimes made their complaints known to God. 
But Jesus corrects this idea that it was Moses who himself provided the bread. Jesus says in verse 32, it was not Moses who provided the manna, it was God. Uh, The Jews quote from Psalm 78 there in verse 31 to make their case without realizing that Psalm 78 is speaking about something that God did, not something that Moses did. The Jews have become fascinated with Moses and fascinated with the idea of eating bread from heaven the way that their forefathers had done in the wilderness. And they had begun to think that when the Messiah appeared, he would give them more manna to eat. But Jesus wants the Jews to see the manna for what it really was and what it was intended to be. Not just meeting that temporary need of hunger in the desert, but a sign, a picture of something far better than manna that God was going to provide in the future. Just as God sent down the manna from heaven, so now Jesus says that he himself has been sent down from heaven, the bread of life. And Jesus emphasizes this very strongly. Look, look how he does this. Verse 38 I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 44, the father who sent me, Jesus says. Verse 50, this is the bread that comes down from heaven. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Do you think Jesus is wanting to emphasize something here? He keeps saying it over and over again. I have come down from heaven. Stop looking for little bits of bread as miraculous as that was at the time. Something far better has come. Something far better than uh, having a, a day's food supplied to you. God has come. The Son of God in human flesh. An eternal God, a holy God, a God who is going to provide salvation for his people, who is going to provide the full and final sacrifice for sin. What could be better than that? What could be more satisfying than that? It's always good to be left satisfied by a meal, particularly perhaps a meal that someone else has prepared. Uh, And maybe you've been really looking forward to a particular meal Uh, whether it's a Christmas dinner or a big feast at a wedding or another special occasion or or maybe just uh, the dinner that you have on the Lord's Day. But the fact that someone else perhaps has provided it for you, that someone else has put in that effort to to provide for you and to care for you, that's, that's particularly satisfying. You didn't do anything for it, but you're left satisfied by it. And by repeating over and over to us that he is the bread sent down from heaven, friends, Jesus is emphasizing to us here the fact that our salvation is a gift. Our salvation has been wholly and completely provided for us by God himself. God himself has provided for, he has met our greatest need in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Look back at verse 28. The people say to Jesus, verse 28, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus says, verse 29, the work of God is simply this, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. 
Now, since Jesus says there is no work for you to do, you simply believe, you simply receive what God has provided for you. It's a gift that he has sent down. And this, of course, is at the heart of all we believe as Christians, and particularly as Reformed Christians, that God the Father from all eternity, not only has he spoken to us and made us and told us about himself, but he has provided our salvation for us. This is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. That our God has come to us. That our salvation has come to us. We don't need to go on a pilgrimage to Mecca. We don't need to have some kind of mystical experience in nature with birds or trees or the ocean. We don't need to find our inner whatever. We don't need to tick some religious or sporting or academic boxes. We just need to believe. We just need to receive the bread of life and feed upon him. Perhaps as you come to the table today, you come weary from a week of working. Working at your employment, working at being a parent, working in, in, in whatever place of, of study you have. And you come to the beginning of another week and you come tired from necessary God-given work. But sometimes, friends, we grow tired spiritually because we fall into the false idea that we need to earn something from God, that we need to earn our way to God. I need to have done this or have done that or I need to have accomplished enough or I need to have done enough good deeds or I need to have avoided enough uh, temptation to really earn my place with God. Friends, salvation is a gift that has been sent down. All you need to do is take it. Jesus Christ is the bread from heaven, the one who nourishes us spiritually is eternal, the one who satisfies us is infinite, the one who has provided for us is everlasting, and he was sent down for you and for me. No other so-called God has done this, no other relationship can offer this, no man-made hero or cause is good enough to do this. But because God so loved the world, he sent his only son. Bread has been sent down. It is a gift that you only need to take. But secondly then, not only has bread been sent down, but bread has been offered up. Bread has been offered up. Look at verse 51. I am the living bread sent down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread... He will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of this world is my flesh. My flesh. And it's important that Jesus uses the word flesh. And elsewhere in the passage, he also mentions uh, the word blood. And again, remember, this is coming up to the Passover. This is a time when flesh and blood will be sacrificed in the Jewish religion. And of course, when the Jews heard the words flesh and blood at any time, be it the Passover or any other time, the first thing they would think of was sacrifices. The Levitical priests, the priests in the Old Testament and the priests who continued to serve at the temple in Jerusalem in Jesus' day, 
In many ways, they were full-time butchers. That was their job as much as anything else. They spent a lot of their time butchering animals, separating flesh and blood, and offering up sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And Jesus says that he is going to offer up his own flesh and his own blood once and for all for the life of this world. Notice exactly what he says, chapter 6, verse 51. The bread that I will give for the life of this world is my flesh. What he's saying there is that he will give his flesh in exchange for the world. He will offer up himself in the place of those for whom he has come. And for the Jews who were alert enough and thinking enough about it, and for those of us today who know our Bibles as well, Isaiah 53 should be tumbling around our minds as we hear Jesus' words here. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The, his soul makes an offering for guilt, for our guilt. The bread that has been sent down is a gift, but it has been sent down to be offered up. Perfect flesh in the place of sinful flesh. A righteous one in the place of all of us unrighteous ones. Christ emptying himself so that we could be filled with life. Jesus was sent down to be offered up. And this is what we come to remember today at the Lord's table. Look what Jesus says in verse 54. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Now it's very important to note that Jesus is not suddenly speaking literally here. He's been speaking in picture language all the way through and he's still speaking in picture language when he talks of people feeding on his flesh and drinking his blood. Um, he's also not talking here about the sacrament of the Lord's Supper as such. He's not saying that if we take communion, we will be saved. Certainly not. But again, he's using the picture of food and drink to teach us about what must happen spiritually if we are to be saved from sin. The only way that this sacrifice of Jesus that he's offered up is any good to us, friends, is if we believe in it. That's what he says back in verse 40. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. And so as we come to the table today, friends, it's not that this is how we become Christians. We don't believe that. But we're remembering and we're giving thanks and we're celebrating in a sense how it is that we became Christians by placing our trust in the flesh and blood of Christ offered up for us and by, by, by receiving Christ and being joined to him spiritually. That's what this bread and wine is symbolic of, of us being united to Christ. He is in us and we are in him by faith. <coughs> As we take the bread today and that literal physical bread goes into us, we're reminding ourselves that the same thing has happened to us spiritually. We have received Christ. We are in him and he is in us. So this bread of life is freely offered as we'll think about more in just a moment. But it is only freely offered to us friends because 
someone else has paid the price. Again, someone else has put in the work so that we could freely receive. We take part in a ritual today not to become Christians, but to remember the great cost involved for us to become Christians. I am the bread of life, says Jesus. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So we considered in more detail on Friday night, people sacrifice so much today, and often it does them very little good. Family, relationships, health, money is sacrificed in pursuit of identity or success or pleasure. And despite all that sacrifice, we still live in an unsatisfied world. Jesus gave up his life and we get everything in return. We get satisfaction and we get purpose and we get contentment now. And we begin our eternal life even now because even before we die and and go to be with the Lord in heaven, we are with Christ. We can commune with Christ as we do today and with his people. And as we live this life, we can share in his suffering and we can rejoice with him in his victory as we do today. It's only all possible, friends, because the bread of life has been offered up None of us can ever really fully appreciate the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. We we could spend a lifetime meditating on the importance of it and the depths of it. But do you believe, do you believe that Christ Jesus came to offer himself up for sinners like you? To provide forgiveness and offer hope to sinners like you? So many people put words in in the mouth of Jesus. So many people try to dismiss or diminish what he came to do. You wouldn't want people to believe things about you just based on what other people say about you, would you? We all want people to hear from us who we are and what we believe and what we do. Well, similarly, we should let Jesus speak for himself when it comes to who he is and what he came to do. And rather than simply diminish him to good teacher or a bit of a a cool rebel who took on the establishment, we should let Jesus speak for himself. What did he say? I am the living bread sent down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of this world is my flesh. Do you believe that? Have you come to know Christ and to receive Christ and to be joined to Christ through the sacrifice that he has offered up for your sins? Bread sent down, bread offered up, and thirdly and finally, bread freely available. Bread freely available. The greatest necessity that we have is not ease and comfort in this life. It's not even that sense of satisfaction in a job well done or in a family that are all doing well or whatever it may be. What is most important is to know that we have eternal life. And that's what Jesus came to offer to anyone who would take it. Notice in the passage how Jesus emphasizes that he is making himself widely available. And again, this comes out again and again in what he says. Verse 35 Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 
Verse 37, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. Verse 40, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Verse 47, whoever believes has eternal life. Again, you see what Christ is emphasizing here, friends, how widely open his arms are to those who would come. Anyone who is naturally craving and longing for peace and hope and joy and assurance of eternal life, Christ can give it. Various people today are trying to live out their own version of, they might not call it eternal life, but they're trying to live their best life. So all this talk of wellness and of uh, sort of self-actualization and all these terms today. Scan the front covers of magazines in the supermarket. All those front covers are like false gospel tracts. Heaven is when your home looks like this or your hair looks like this or your skin or your car. Hell would be to not have this or to look like that. Think of the amount of time and effort human beings put into trying to preserve our lives. And of course we should do to an extent. We should look both ways crossing the street. We should wear our seatbelts. We should look after our bodies. Of course we should. But as hard as we will work, friends, to preserve our lives, they will be a few feeble years. Moses says in Psalm 90, it is soon gone and we fly away. Where do we fly to? That's the question. Will we fly on to life, to real, everlasting, unending, perfect life with Christ? Or will it be to spiritual death, misery and suffering and hell for our sins? Sometimes said of people, they lived a full life. They achieved great things. They traveled many places. They met fascinating people. They were well thought of in their community. They might even have a church hall or a park bench named after them. A relatively small portion of people might have books written about their lives. But for the rest of us, the blunt truth is that it will not take more than a few hundred words to sum up our lives on this earth. Our years soon pass and we fly away. And something nags at every human being telling us that's not enough. Surely I'm made for more. Surely I don't just end one day. And that's right. We don't. Our souls will go on forever. The only question is, will they go on into true satisfaction, true peace, true joy? Or will we, will we go on for eternity struggling and failing and Dying for our sin. Jesus says, John 6, 58, This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that our fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. They will live forever. Friends, we're a shadow of what we will one day be. We'll think more about this, God willing, in a few weeks. We get back to Genesis and think about the incredible lifespan of some of the earliest human beings. 
Our, our human existence now is, is a shadow of what it was at the beginning and what it will be someday at the resurrection. Through Christ we will live forever and we will experience life to the full. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever feeds on me will live and never die. Whoever, whoever, whoever. Have you not yet come to Christ? Have you not yet believed these words? Have you not yet come to realize that there is nothing in this life that will give you the satisfaction that you crave? Come to him today. This table is for those who have already declared their faith in Christ. But instead of coming to the table today, come to Christ today. You need to stop looking for satisfaction in whoever or whatever it has been up until now that you have been looking for. And instead, come and receive this bread of life. And perhaps even for the believer, at times we feel our, a sense of guilt. I didn't do very well this week. I lost my temper. I didn't get my work done as much as I would have liked. My thoughts at times were shameful. I look around today and I feel like the worst sinner in the room. Well, if you have sinned to confess today, dear friend, confess it in these quiet moments here to God. But believer, hear these words of Christ as well. Whoever comes to me, I shall never cast out. Whoever believes in me shall have eternal life. Jesus says later in his gospel that he came that we might have life and have it in abundance or have it to the full. The best life doesn't mean that we're the brightest or the richest or the greatest, which few if any of us will ever be. It means we have our souls restored and satisfied in him. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Have you scanned the buffet of this world and found nothing to satisfy you? Come to Christ. Feed on him. He is the bread of life. Whoever, whoever believes in him shall never hunger and never thirst again. Amen. <clears throat>